Investing in your mind is one of the most important things you can do. But if you've ever been, if you've ever been afraid of investing in the market or investing your money, you might want to pay attention to today's show to see how you can change it. Let's do it. Your mind is a beautiful thing, but if left unattended, it can get ugly real quick. If you're not constantly curating the content your mind consumes on a daily basis, then your surroundings will dictate your daily thoughts, habits, behaviors, and actions. This show has only one goal, to leave your mind more beautiful than it was when you arrived. Welcome to The Beautiful Mind Show. Welcome to today's show. You're hanging out with me, Jason, kicking it live. If you're on with me live, uh, I'm really excited to have you here. Do me a favor and comment live so I know you're hanging out uh, and you're with me. Uh, if you're listening on the replay uh, or you're watching on the replay, it's still good to have you here. Super pumped. But if you want to join me, you can catch me every single Friday for the Beautiful Mind Show uh, on all of the pages on social media. For me, you can check it out at Jason Everett uh, and you can find more information there about the Beautiful Mind Show. So on today's show, I've got a good friend of mine and a, and a killer guest. I mean, this guy is the real deal. Um, I've known David now for a couple of years. Uh, we've known each other and we've hung out and had some really great conversations. And he just thinks completely differently than I do. And I absolutely love it because I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys who like, I love investing in things that I can wrap my mind around my businesses, my, my, uh, you know, even just things like flipping cars or, or things like that. Like I, I understand that very well, but the, the stock market and investing in, in the market has always been something that's not my jam. If it is your jam, say it is. If it's not your jam, say it's not in the chat. But the reason why I'm excited to have David on is because he is a beast. He has literally worked with thousands of people over the last 15 years. He manages over $160 million with an M uh, worth of assets uh, for over 200 different families in the region. And he's in the top two and a half percent of financial advisors. And I just can't say enough good things about this dude. So pumped to have him on. Please welcome to the show, David Lott. What's up, David? What's up, man? How are you? Dude, um, super good. I, I like every time I hang out with you, I'm always like more and more impressed with like how you think about finances and money. And like, you just, you have a totally different thought. And I think, you know, when we hang out, like we, I think we always kind of like, you know, you ask me some questions, I throw you some stuff and it's always super fun. And I wanted to like invite people in kind of like a fly on the wall to hang out with us for a, a chat about finances. Is that cool? That sounds great. Let's do it. Dude, pumped to have you here. Uh, I know you got an office here, uh, not too far away from me here in the Roseville area brand new space. Um, so dude, glad to have you on and really excited to have you. So um, what, what made you want to become a financial advisor in the first place? Like, was this like you had a uh, calculator when you were five and your parents were like, clearly you need to be a financial advisor? Like, help me understand what made you want to do this? Uh, money with a capital M. I hate to say that, but that's the <laughs> truth, right? Hey, and, yeah. You know, you grow up on the East. I grew up on the East Coast outside of Washington, D.C. And so the idea is you know, you'll want to go to Wall Street, you want to be an investment banker. Mm. Uh, that's where all the excitement and, you know, uh, high pressure and opportunity lies, at least mm. as I saw it. And so I was interested in investing. I was interested in the stock market and kind of through college, it just, it kept rolling that way. Uh, fortunately, nice. I have a little bit more purpose these days than just money. <laughs> Thank God. Well, but, I mean, but it, yeah. but I think I think you know I think this is a, a real conversation though because I think so many people like I mean this is the truth for me, David is like I remember in seventh grade I had a math teacher 
who they said, hey, let's let's architect your own house. You could do the floor plan and decide where you want to live. They're like, but you got to pick yeah. a job first. You got to pick a job. And they had this list of jobs on the wall. And, I, and just, you know, like any any kid, you're like, well, what's the what's the most highest paying job on this right. list? I go to the bottom. And it says attorney. I'm like, I'm doing that. Whatever that is, how much can an attorney afford? Because I'm like, well, if you have the choice of being anything you want, why would it not be something like that? And I think to your point, you know, when you find a different level of purpose and like at some point you chase the money and then at some point you decide, well, wait, chasing the money doesn't work. Like it's about the purpose and what you can do with the money and the impact you can make. And like, you know, I think it's one thing to be a, you know, a seventh grader and like have a decision and now it's different. So what, what's it about for you now? If it's not about the money now, what, what do you love about what you do from a purpose standpoint? You know, uh, I'm going to take it back one second. So yeah, it's so please. interesting that you said that about like, what do you choose to do with your life? Because my dad, his own business, he was electrical contractor. And he basically said, when you go to college, it doesn't matter what you like. You're getting a business degree because that's how you're going to pay your bills. It's like, okay, dad, I'm getting a business degree. And if my only goal in life is to pay my bills, I might as well do as best I can to be able to pay my bills and, you know, have extra. So anyways, that, I guess that makes me feel better about why I did that. Um, yeah. You know, what I realized after having a fair amount of success and frankly, being around to people who have, who are phenomenally more successful than I am is that at the end of the day, you know, circumstances and money only take you so far, right? That's fleeting. And so I think the impact that you can make on other people, the way that you can love people uh, and kind of connecting all parts of yourself, right? Not just kind of your external circumstances, but what's going on inside of you. Uh, and where you're driving your joy and your purpose, uh, there's a lot there. I think that's a different show, but that's a that's yeah. a deep one. Well, but I I think that's part of it, and and that's I think where a lot of people get caught up. Because I'll tell you, man, I know a lot of people get hung up around money. And we, you know, you and I have chatted about this a lot, like as far as, you know, cause we just, you know, you and I both just bought new offices. We both just bought new houses. Right. Like there's some things, uh, it, we, we drive similar cars. Like, I think it's always entertaining sometimes when I like look at some of the parallels for you and I, right. And, yeah. and I think sometimes, you know, you, you can get caught up in this idea that money can be a bad thing of either right. you know showing money or telling people about money. Like money comes with its own shame. There's a lot of kind of, you know, resentment yeah. and grudges and things like that. Like if you ever had, if you've ever had those type of money conversations that, you know, there's some hiccups or hangups with money, do me a favor say hangups in the chat? Because I think, I think it goes for everybody, right? Whether you yeah. have, you have money or you don't like, I, I think it's really fascinating to be like, well, if I don't have money, then I've got a stigma about money. And sometimes you do get money and then you get a stigma about money. And I think that's what really ties into this idea around what do you do? Like, how do you invest in your mind? Because People are really emotional when it comes to their money. So for me to call you up and be like, hey, David, whether I have $100 or $100,000 or $100 million that I'm going to hand you, like there's so many emotional triggers that come with whatever amount of money I think is a lot to hand right. to you. Like how does that even, how do you deal with people's emotional chaos that comes with that? There isn't a lot of emotional chaos. Uh, I there think is there is not. There is, there is. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, I, I thought okay. there would be, yeah. There is, yeah. We joke, you know, a lot of times we're more of a psychiatrist than a money manager trying to get people, you know, to get their minds right. I think where the hangup can be solved is just trying to understand where your intent is coming from. So I think where I, when I struggled with money, my intent was in the wrong place. Now my intent and how I serve my clients is around stewardship and discipline, right? And those are things that you can get excited about, treating what you do with excellence. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of times emotions come in because it's a fear-driven decision. And I, I had this conversation with my friend, Ethan Brizzy. We were talking about how do people make decisions? Do they make it out of logic or out of emotions? And I, 
Hinesley, all decisions are made out of emotions. And I thought to myself, that's not true. You know, I, I'm a logical guy. I think through things, I look at the facts and then I make my decision. And I was coming home, driving in my car and I started thinking, I said, you know what? It's just that the facts and the logic make me feel better about the decision that I made. So in fact, mm. it is all emotional. And so usually yeah. the way that you can get beyond that fear is just uh, widening your perspective, right? Understanding more of the situation, understanding more context, bringing in new information that you weren't aware of to give you more that you can make that emotional decision based on. And a lot of people, when they are afraid of what's happening in the market or they are afraid with a money thing, if we can kind of reframe uh, what they're looking at that issue or, or, or kind of change their vantage point, a lot of times uh, their kind of temperature cools down. Yeah, dude, that's a great point is I think to your to that exact decision is so many people get hung up in it. And it's like they look at their checkbooks at the end of the month. and They're like, what checkbooks? I found 100 years old. They look at their bank balance on their phone uh, at the end of yeah. the month. Right. And they're trying to figure out they're trying to figure out like, all right, well, what do I do? How do I grow it? And I think so many people, David, like there's there's two types of people, you know, well, I, I don't know. There's just two, but there's two two sides of this. There's people who go, OK, I figured out a way to make enough money that I have quote surplus and then there's right. people that are like i don't live in surplus i'm barely making it and i'm trying to figure it out and i, I want to be able to have this conversation for somebody that's like look i I, do, I have more month than i have money and i'm trying to figure that out but i was just right. yesterday with my partner we're talking about a brand new program that we're, we're getting ready to release and we were talking about what do we do for people who are starting to now have surplus because what we do for coaching in my other company is like what we end up doing is we help coaching people all of a sudden they're like i've never had this much money in the bank before i don't know yeah. what to do with it like it's kind of it's freaking me out like i you know I, I can't i already have a nice car i already have a nice house like i don't know what else to do because nobody ever told me what to do with this money. <laughs> Right. And like, right. and it's like, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're weird with their money at that point. Right. And I think you're kind of on one of those two things, or maybe there's a down the middle too, but you're either like underwater or you actually have some freedom. And I want to talk for a second about people who have some of that freedom. Cause I think one thing is like, you got to handle your mindset around money to get to that freedom. But once you do start having that income, David, I'd love to find out from you and hopefully can give you some advice when people do start to have that additional income and they do it. I want to find out how should they be investing it what should they be doing with it and how should they be thinking about their money i gotta take a break so when we come back i'm queuing you up here this is what we're gonna talk about when we come back can you give me that framework so they know what they can start to doing if they have just any additional funds is that cool let's do it all right let's do it let's take a quick break we'll be right back would you like to have an even more beautiful mind? Well, we'd like you to have one. And we actually created a seven day beautiful minds challenge. It was a little bit of a choose your own adventure challenge for just seven days. And I really think you can do anything for seven days. It's definitely not easy, but it will be simple for you to get access to it. All you have to do is comment anywhere on this video or send me a message on social media that says seven day. And I'll send you immediate access to not only our beautiful minds Facebook group, but also our beautiful minds challenge where you can go through three different areas your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health, and get challenges in each of those areas that'll help you get a handle on each of those areas inside your life to give you more control over what you wanna do every single day. So do me a favor, comment seven day, or send me a message on any social media, and I'll make sure I give you access to our exclusive community group, as well as access to the challenge. Thanks so much, and now back to the show. All right, welcome back. I'm chatting with my buddy, David Lott. Again, uh, top two and a half percent. I appreciate the half a percent, David. <laughs> two and a half percent. You have to be precise in this industry, right? Yeah, dude, get, take every percent you can get. Uh, managed over $160 million worth of 
funds for over 200 clients. And it's just, dude, it's so good to have you on. We were chatting about what happens when you start to have some surplus. People start getting weird when they have surplus. And I'll tell you, man, the first time I ever had surplus, like I, I'll just tell you my own hang up for the last 10, 15 years of like, every time I'd get surplus, I'd freak out and I would just spend it on something. I'd go buy something. I'd, I'd try and like park it in something. I used to flip cars. So I'd like park it in a car and I'm like, okay, well then it exists. Cause I didn't like just sitting on like, you know, if I've got you know, 20 grand extra in the bank, 50 grand extra in the bank, 100 grand extra in the bank. It would freak me out. Because, I don't know why. It was just one of those things where I'm like, but maybe I'll use it because I do really well when my bank account's empty. I work really hard. I hustle. Yeah. So my bank account's full. It starts to feel Back weird sometimes. Yeah. yeah. As I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to work. And I'm like, but it's only this much money. It's not, you know, so I, I get weird about it. What are some things people can start to do with their money and how should they be looking at their finances when they do start to have surplus, David? Well, we don't just acquire money for no reason, right? It doesn't sure. just sit there in the bank and it's like, okay, great. That, that has no purpose. Everything, Everything, every dollar, every cent has a purpose. And so what is it? We have to start at the end to figure out how to get to the beginning. Makes sense. And so if, if you have goals in mind, if you have certain things that you're working towards, then it's a lot easier to figure out, let me work my way back. If I want to run a marathon, Okay, that's pretty intimidating, but I just have to figure out, all right, well, how much time in each week, week do I have to train? Yeah. How many hours does that look like? What are, what's the way I can maximize that? And so once you have that end goal, then you can start to work backward and break it down. And that way you don't get lost in the middle, right? It's like yeah. you have one bad day training. You're not just going to throw in your towel, right? You're going to say, hey, all right, I couldn't yeah. work out today. Let's keep going. Right. Makes sense. So, okay. So where do we start then? Like, so we look at, we look at the end and say, what's the purpose? How do we break that down? And where do we, where do we start? So I think that there's two things that are always relevant. It doesn't matter how much money you have and that's okay. discipline and inertia. Uh, and I feel like I use a lot of uh, exercise analogies, but it feels so similar, right? When you've been out of the gym, I've had a lot of injuries uh, over the years. And sometimes you're out of the gym. It's like just getting back in. That's that inertia piece. And then you can kind of get back in and get your discipline mm -hmm. going. Uh, yeah. But for money, I came up with a simple acronym. It's like, it's go big. So it's big and it's uh, budget, integrate savings, and then you grow your savings. So what does that mean? Budgets a lot of times, especially for a guy like me who likes to spend some money here and there, it's like, mm -hmm. man, I don't want to be restricted by a budget. Right. Yeah, yeah. But a budget, all that is, is it says, okay, I have to spend less than I make if I want to be able to save. And right. if I don't know what I'm spending, how do I know that I'm saving? So right. that's like, yeah, so, simple. No so th that's so applicable. And it doesn't, it's not just getting started, but it's also like, well, what if I want to go buy a building like you did? How do I know if I can do that? If I have no right. idea of what I'm spending every month. So that's pretty simple, right? Once you have that savings piece, then we have to integrate that in an automated way. So discipline is around making it not something that you have to go out and do every day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what if you were to work on your 401k as an example and have that money come out automatically every month so that you're not having to physically go and make that transfer? What if you bought a house and it's like, hey, I got to make this mortgage payment or else they're going to take it from me. Well, guess what? There's some built-in savings into that. So integrating things and automating is really important because it takes the human factor out of it. We just go on autopilot. And to your point, you're working on a lot of times what you see in your checking account. And so if it's not hitting your checking account, you don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I have all this money. What do I do with it? And then it gets with it. Well, so, okay, you brought up, you be, and I, I don't mean to pause you too much in the middle of the analogy because this is pretty solid. I want to make sure we get every, every piece of it. But you said something that got my attention, so I needed to pause for that. 
is you said, you know, other people will take money out of your account to remove the emotion for you. You didn't exactly right. say that, but, but right. this yeah. is what I got out of what you said, right? Is the bank's like, look, I'm gonna make this really painless so that every month you don't have to stroke a check for that large amount of money for your mortgage. We'll just put it on auto pay for you. That's and we'll right. just let it just sift out of our account. We'll let your Netflix go out. We'll let those iTunes slip out. We'll, yeah, let, yeah, yeah. Slip out. we'll let your cell phone slip out. Like we'll just remove all the emotion from it and you get used to, damn, how did I get, this much money in subscriptions every single month. And there is kind of no emotional tie. But then when you're like, well, let's put a 401k together and put 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, a thousand dollars a month, whatever amount it is into your 401k, but then you're doing it manually. And then you got all this emotion to it. And even though that's for you, like that Netflix money, you ain't ever getting that back. That Netflix money gone, it gone. It belongs right. to uh, whoever's running Netflix, right? But like, but the idea is, is that you get that emotion built up and if you can set it up, and I think you said this, integrate it into your savings and automate things, you'll start to do what other people are doing to drain your money, but you'll actually be saving money. That's right. It's, it's going yeah, to you good. instead of to uh, the big guys. Yeah, let's, let's, keep, let's keep you the big guy. That's right. That's right. Let's you got to pay it. yourself first. That's something some people say, and that's, that's a big yeah. thing. And how easy right. is it to be in a subscription model, right? So why can't right. it just subscribe, be as subscribe easy to, your own to 401 be toward growing your wealth as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, man, is that it's, you know, subscribe to yourself. I mean, yeah. for real, right? Like, I mean, it is kind of funny. I know my partner and I had done an analogy on that. We, we've just done some Starbucks analogies. Like if you just skipped the Starbucks twice a week and did some math, it was like, right. you know, something like, you know, you'd have like 50 grand this year in, in an account if you just skipped <laughs> this. And it was like, you know, if it compounded for the next couple of years. And it was interesting because I think most people don't, to the exact point, I love that term, subscribe to yourself. Most people oh, are yeah. not subscribing to anything for themselves that will do anything good for them. It's all immediate gratification and it's gone. And once that money's toast, it's out of there. So you said budget, integrated savings. What was the G again? I just want to make sure I got it. The G is to grow your savings. So how do you do that? You do it a couple ways. I, I think two ways in particular. You keep more. So uh, you keep more in your savings. How do you do that potentially? Reducing expenses is one way. Paying less taxes is another, right? Because that's another Probably way gotcha. that expense is going out. So how do we do that? Well, there's all sorts of different investment options you can do that with. Yeah. You can do that through tax-protected ways that the government allows you to in investment accounts, stock market, so forth. You could do that in real estate, right? You know that all too well. Yeah. You can do that in a business. So there's lots of ways that we have opportunities to increase our savings just by what we spend our money on and using yeah. that to give us some tax benefit. And then the second piece of that grow is accumulate. That's the inertia, right? Once you have more money working for you, that snowball starts to grow, right? And when you have a 10% return on $10, you make $1. And when you have a 10% return on a million dollars, you make $100,000. And so that's day. that's that piece of it growing together. Yeah, and that's, that's big, man. And I think, you know, talking about that and trying to figure out, you know, how do you put that savings in place? How do you put yourself in that perspective? I think people get hung up on, and I, I know you said something that I think might trigger, we were talking about triggers earlier, right before, before, right before the show. And I think sometimes people get triggered by like paying less in taxes. What I don't mean is you get a tax bill and you tell the government, well, I'm not gonna pay all those taxes. What we're talking about doing is do, and I love how Tom Wheelwright, a buddy of mine uh, and a Rich Dad advisor talks about this, is he says, if you partner with the government to do things <laughs> they want you to do, they give you tax benefits. That's right. right? And so what, it, what we're really saying, I just don't want to trigger anybody by this, by saying, well, pay less taxes. Damn it, you should pay your fair share. What, what we're really saying is partner with the government 
to do things that they want you to do, like buy real estate, develop real estate, you know, uh, partner with other programs, like grow and create more jobs. The reason why they give business owners tax benefits is because you're creating more jobs, which they want That's to right. stimulate the economy. So if you create jobs, they give you a benefit for creating jobs, which thereby benefits you by lowering what's called your taxable liability that allows you to do that. And David, I think that's such a big thing is to your point, you've got to look into all those resources. One is, can you make more money? Number two, can you do something to make more money that helps you pay less taxes? And the other thing is just, I mean, simply uh, living below your means. I, I got to ask you this. I don't think I've ever as a person yeah. asked you this before. So this might, this might just start a fight right here on the air. Uh, <laughs> mi millionaire next door, love it, hate it. Millionaire next door. No, I haven't. Oh, thank God. I thought we were going we to have to stop being friends if you told me. Uh -oh. So you have, to, you have to listen to this book. But what I will tell you, if any of you guys have heard of Millionaire Next Door or you've read that book, do me a favor and say in the comments. But one of the things I didn't like about that book, David, is it's just literally like, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make. As long as you live below your means, you'll forever have a lot of money in the bank. And you literally could, you know, drive a 1982 uh, Honda whatever and you could be a millionaire you have a million bucks in the bank and like right. then don't worry you're set and i always hated that idea because it wasn't it was like you know save your money for later and do it i'm like what if you get hit by a bus tomorrow like i don't right. like this plan of like put it all away the plan that i like and again i only say that because millionaire next door is like don't worry just don't live a very big life and then magically you can save up a million dollars i like the idea of figuring out how do you live a great life how do you live below your means in a way that allows you to sustain the life that you want to have and right. grow it to what it is. And I, I feel like, I mean, again, I, I don't want you to read the book because I hated it, but I'm just saying in general, it sounds like you're on that bus of like, live your life, do what you're gonna do and just figure out a way to budget it in a way that is healthy for you instead of healthy for people who are trying to make take money out of your pocket, yeah? Man, this is such an important point that you make because what happens when you have that mentality of, I'm saving for later, I'm saving for later, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna deprive myself, deprive myself, I'll tell right. you what happens. You get to be my 92 year old client who regrets the fact that she didn't enjoy her fifties more, her sixties more, her seventies more. Yeah, and that yeah. mentality is very difficult to shift once you get to a point when you are supposed to be enjoying it, right? So it's yeah. totally about balance. There's plenty of ways to be able to live an abundant life now and be disciplined about your finances. So the idea that, hey, I'm gonna just uh, live, you know, below my means it's like oh i'm gonna live this horrible life now i'm gonna deprive myself and eat ramen noodles for the next 30 years so that one day i can fly first class it's like come on it doesn't have to be like that not if you have discipline and you can create that inertia because it doesn't have to all be done at one day right this is the accumulation this is like a life's work of balancing enjoying your life and working towards the future and building your wealth yeah i mean look if you guys are listening along and you want to have a healthy balance where you you use money now and you have money later, uh, do me a favor and say both if you want to have both in there. And I think, I think David, that's why you and I get along so well is that, you know, I, I think we are, we're cut from the same thing of like, what can we do with it? How can we grow it? How do we enjoy what we're doing now and enjoy later and do both of those two things? Because dude, that's the last thing I want to be is A, I don't want to be dead and not have enjoyed what I've got. I also right. don't want to be 90 and be like, well, now that I can't go traveling anymore, I really wish I would have back in my 30s and 40s and 50s and every other thing in between, right? So yeah. I'm totally with you. And again, I think hopefully as you guys are listening to today's show or watching today's show or however you're checking this out, is that you're getting 
that this mindset is something that you have to learn, like uh, this investing strategy, the, the strategy of not letting other people consume your bank account, but planning for you to use it mm -hmm. and then decide where it goes, I think is such an important detail. And by the way, I'd love to hear what you guys took away from today's show. If you guys comment in the comment section, if you're on with us and you're watching on video and you can do that, do me a favor and comment. If not, feel free to yell at your radio uh, while you're driving in your car, if you're listening to us and just tell me what you got out of it and then you can high five David and I will make it happen. Um, but yeah, dude, David, this is great discussion. I really appreciate it. I, I, I'm definitely going to have you involved in more discussions. We talk about finance in the future because I just think your mind works great on it. I can tell, I, I just can see it in you from knowing you so much is the discipline part of it. And I think that's the area that I like lack and I get to get better at over and over again is the discipline of doing it. Like there's plenty of areas of my discipline in my life, but I think that that's the piece I get to get better at going forward. Any final thoughts, David, you want to leave uh, with from the show today? You want to leave people with? I think it's something that you reminded me of is anything that is new is uncomfortable at first. Yes. So this, this idea of discipline is like painful anyway, right? Discipline and inertia. Well, it's only painful for a time, right? Until it starts to become second nature. And so we're not saying that if you haven't been thoughtful about your money, there's not going to be a period of time where you need to be thoughtful and that's going to feel different and maybe, you know, a little bit grind your gears, but there'll be a point where you start to hit that stride and it starts to feel good. And then you get that inertia and the wind starts to go from in front of you to at your back. And that's yeah. when all of a sudden that discipline turns into excitement, turns into inertia, turns into growing your wealth. Dude, I love it. I love talking about it. I love the discipline turning into inertia. Um, I, I think that's 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 it. You want to be pushed. I mean, I know you're a surfer. Like we've been out surfing, you know, behind my boat. And it's one of those things where it's like when the wave, when you actually are in the wave and the wave is pushing you and it's effortless, that is one of the most fun moments. And I think that's if you right. can get there with your finances to find that inertia where the wave is actually pushing you, that is just an exceptional spot to be. So David, thanks for the analogies. Thanks for the guidance. I'd love to have you back. If you guys want to have David back on the show, do me a favor and say, bring him back in the chat and we'll rock and roll. So David, thanks for being on, man. I'll see you hopefully very soon, maybe on a boat outing with your family. We'll take out the whole crew and uh, can't wait to hang out with you again soon, brother. Thanks for being on the show today. Love you, man. Thank you. All right, man. See you, dude. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us on today's show. If you want to get access to our seven day Beautiful Minds Challenge, you can either comment below and just say seven day and I'll shoot you the information so you can get immediate access to that or find me on any social media and just send me the message seven day and I'll make sure I get that out to you right away. And if you really enjoyed today's show, it would do me a huge favor if you went online, whether it was Spotify, Pandora or iTunes or any sort of podcast platform that you can find us on and search for The Beautiful Minds Show, subscribe to our channel and then make sure you give us a rating. Every time you give us a rating, it helps us get more eyeballs on our show and help more people have a more beautiful mind. Thanks again for joining us.